everybody! We are back mm. for the third episode. <laughs> you just started with the. Mm. <laughs> this is the podcast where we ask the question. Remember the odds? Yes. I'm Courtney. And I'm Tom. I have a complaint. What? What's your complaint? I type in Spider-Man 3. Yeah. And it yeah. automatically brings up No Way Home, which I guess is technically true. It's the third one. But we're not here to talk about that one. Yeah, guys. Today, Wikipedia... Uh, wanted to pick a fight with us yeah i mean it's by the time this is out you won't don't worry but like wikipedia spoiled spider-man no way home for us Mm -hmm. but not Mm -hmm. because we were really upset not because you were even on the no way home page you were on spider-man 3 i i know that's why i feel like i was so assaulted by this knowledge we literally found this out before the episode started it happens. Um, I'm not worried because it just kind of proves the thing that everybody knew. I know. I'm just really upset that that's how I found out. Yeah. I think I would have been more fine with finding out if everyone was like, this checks out. Yeah. Because then it's like more socially. That's like, that's what happens when a bunch of people go see a movie you want to see is they can't wait to talk about it. The this. social reward. Yeah. This was rude. Damn you, Wikipedia. straight up rude. Yeah. It was completely unnecessary to put that in there. No, it didn't need to be there. Wikipedia has no time for nuance, and it's just cruel. But this is the podcast where we ask the question. Hey. Remember the odds? And we talk about Everything from the 2000s and some things that have been thrown upon us by Wikipedia today. Mm-hmm. From the Gushers commercials where children's heads would turn into fruits. Oh. To the Capri Sun commercial where everyone who drinks Capri Sun turns into the Silver Surfer. They did do that. and that They it, did do that. That did come out in 2007, the rise of the Silver Surfer. That's right. My thing today is from in the movie Enchanted, which yes. came out in 2007. Very sweet, fun, family-friendly movie. To so the big. Rob Zombie Halloween, which came out in 2007. Not family-friendly, but it's all about family. I mean, I was going to say, in some ways, it's all about the family. It is about the family. I Yeah. I did a rewatch of them this year. I've talked about it before. Uh, not as bad as people say. Definitely bad, but there's nuggets of good. It's nuggets of good, and it is about family. I have it's... to watch the Brandon Tennold review of Halloween 3. Oh, the season of The Witch? Yeah, yeah. That's a good movie. People like it. it it's, it's one of those movies where, like, at the time, nobody was going to like it. Yeah. But over time, once you get over your anger... Then it's like, that's not so bad. I love Tom Atkins. He's great. And he is I think it would have it would have been exciting to see it continue going in that direction. The anthology series? Yeah, I would have been fine with that. Yeah. I mean 
Nowadays, you could probably do that. Back then, it was right. hard to pitch the idea of like anthology movies to people. They get confused and annoyed. Right, especially with the same title, Halloween 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're talking about it. Hol- no, Spider-Man 3 today. I'm going to ask MJ to marry me. A man has to put his wife before himself. Can you do that, Peter? Yeah, I think I can. We have some new information. This is your uncle's actual killer. We lost his trail two days ago. This man killed my uncle, and he's still out there. Everybody needs help sometimes, Peter. Even Spider-Man. Revenge is like a poison that can take us over. And before you know it, it can turn you into something ugly. The suit, where'd this come from? The power. Feels good. We are talking about a different third movie today. Yanel, unfortunately, is not with us. He did not want to talk about Spider-Man 3. Yeah, after we finished recording the second episode, he said, fuck you guys, fuck this show. I never want to do this again, and I'm not talking about Spider-Man 3. He actually hates Spider-Man, and he never wants to talk about Spider-Man again. I mean, it is Spider-Man 3. Although, I have varied opinions on Spider-Man 3 now, having rewatched it. Yeah, Tom came here to fight... I did. I will. <laughs> there are things in this movie I will defend. Yes. I see what Sam Raimi was trying to do, and I see what went wrong. But I, I think. think okay. Go should ahead. we should we start here? Should we start about our uh, different perspectives watching this film again? Well, like just to save us some time, I'm gonna give a quick recap of this movie so that we don't even have to talk about the plot. We could just talk about the movie and how we felt about it. Did you say recap or recrap? Re- recap. Did okay. I say Okay, sounded like recap. Oh. <laughs> well, Spider-Man 3, 2007, takes place one year after Spider-Man 2, which Spider-Man 2 takes place two years after Spider-Man 1. So Peter mm-hmm. Parker is in his... 20s early 20s as a 30 something year old man um he his life is going great the city loves him harry hates him he mm-hmm. his he he's with the love of his life and peter parker ruins it he ruins most of it symbiote comes from space sandman is in the movie uh harry's also new goblin he's not either He's not Green Goblin or Hobgoblin or any of the other goblins that already exist. He's New Goblin, the 2007 snowboarding shredding legend. Yeah, he literally is like a sports drink away kind of, of yeah. a villain. Um, you know, like his suit, the surfboard or snowboard, everything. It's yep. just so stupid shenanigans unfold peter ruins everything and peter has to learn to forgive himself Mm -hmm. and others to save the day and venom's in this that who's in this venom 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 Venom. (laughs) topher grace's venom that is the plot now we can just talk about it 
Okay, glad that's over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's your take? I want to know, because you, you seem very angry. I... <laughs> um, today I have chosen violence. And uh, so I just started this morning with watching the film, so I just finished it before we started talking. And I think that I took your text messages from last night as you watched the movie as like, I'm going to go back and watch this movie and I'm, I'm going to enjoy it more. I'm going to see it from Tom's perspective. I'm going it, to, it's not going to be so bad. It's just going to be, you know, our memory of it being bad. That's the bad part. And then I found myself oscillating back and forth between like, this is a nice scene to, I hate this and I want to turn it off. And like the first part of it, there's like a first act that isn't so bad and I I can see some of the value in it. And then just as the movie keeps going and just descends into worse and worseness and then by the time we get to the end, I remember the same exact feeling that I had in the movie theaters with my family where I'm like, dear God, I don't care that Harry is dead. I want this movie to be over. And then it's like they do three more endings after that. Because they have three more villains. It's just, it's so much. And I think that had they cut portions out of this plot, it would have made it much easier to tackle just a few of the elements that they were trying to discuss. I see what you got from it. I see what he was attempting to do. But I think he put in too many components. Yeah. Yeah. Well, That's he, what I think. He, to give a quick thing, he really only wanted, like, it's very clear, especially I think after watching this movie and watching, rewatching these, you know, these three movies, you get very much get the Sam Raimi love in these movies. Like, you can tell he loves his character, he loves his world, and he's making his story the, so, but the, when you get to the third one, you feel the lack of understanding or love in certain aspects. Venom being a huge, like problem because he, and it's gone on record. He doesn't like he he always he's you know he's wanted to do the Vulture. He's always wanted to do Sandman. He's always wanted to have like Mysterio. Like these are characters Sam Raimi likes. Venom at that point in two thousand seven was a much more recent character. Very much a product of like the angsty edgy 90s like spawn and you know punisher like all these like very violent angry characters and like venom good great character great character but was very much a product of a different era that sam raimi like spider-man these spider-man movies don't have that same sense like it it is hard to imagine this spider-man world with that kind of angsty character especially since these movies are very like stylistic and not like these are not grounded in reality like at all i but, um, so i'm gonna disagree with you there i think based on sam raimi's experience in um like evil dead i think that venom would be an excellent character for him to take on and i feel like even the way he handles the symbiotes movement i think it's it's a perfect match so 
I, I think I'm just, like, disconnected to, like, why he doesn't like Venom so much, because to me, it sort of fits into the narratives he's loved for so long and shared with the world already. So that's my thing. Well, like, even his horror, well, I, I would argue, because his art, his horror is always paralleled with comedy, and it's, like, camp and it's fun. Not that, but, like, Venom, especially back then. Right. Was you a couldn't very- do... Funny Venom. No, Venom was much more like it's, all the '90s took itself way too seriously. Totally. Very edgy for the edgy sake, and Venom like I think that's where he had issue. He did mm. eventually come to like the character more, like, but I could see where like I think if like I I had to start like because the symbiote actually I actually think the symbiote works when it's just a symbiote. When mm-hmm. it, like, the black suit, because the, the big theme in this movie is forgiveness. I was texting you about this. I was like, there's very clearly, this is about forgiveness. Peter learning to forgive himself and, like, the people around him. I think they laid him. that on a little too thick, They though. did. I think they had yeah. to because, like, they, you get lost in the sauce with everything else going on. So it's like, here's a reminder, it's forgiveness. But, like, so the black suit, the venom, the, the symbiote works really well as like this reflection of indulging in your, in like the hatred and the anger, even though mm-hmm. like, I, I noticed this, everyone thinks back and hates the emo scenes like the, which are unbearable. <laughs> Those scenes are unbearable when he's walking down the street, doing the hair flip dance. Oh my God. It's so bad. I argue though that he, him being happy is even more unbearable because I really hated that scene where like they ha- they give Spider-Man the key to the city and he's just oh, having that was also unbearable. He was just having a grand old time and I'm just like is to be do I just hate his happiness? Like this is awful. Right, right. And even the whole parade itself seemed so decadent. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, maybe you could celebrate that he like caught the police chief's daughter but you wouldn't have a full-blown parade with marching bands and balloons like this is too much for a vigilante yeah exactly yeah Um, it, it is a little wild it's a little wild and i think we both can agree that like james franco is just the worst unbearable in this film he's, he's so insufferable i hated him the moment because he's he's at the theater watching Mary Jane's play, and he's just angry. I know, <laughs> Peter goes out to the car to go get him, and he's just like, "What did he say?" I forgot. I was just like, "Oh my god!" Laying it on thick. Well, even just like okay, so he's looking at Mary Jane with the little fancy people binoculars, oh. and then he looks down at Peter Parker, and they have this shot on him for so long, where he's giving him the evil eye. But the whole time, one eyelid is more closed than the other. And it bothered me so much. And I'm like, why are we on this shot for so long? Yeah. He looked like he really needed to rip a fart, but didn't want to do it in the Broadway theater. Yeah. It's very apparent of everyone in these movies. He's the weakest of them all. Like, and I, mm-hmm. he's very much the weakest actor. Like, oh my God. I, I hated Peter Parker for like two thirds of this movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. his emo phase was terrible but his um happiness wasn't much better Ugh, this i think movie... also 
Okay, so I think my issue with Peter Parker being happy and being terrible when he's happy is just the way that... I, I think the way that Sam Raimi presented him as happy. This is what happiness would be to Toby, uh, to Peter Parker. You know, I think that if he had done it differently, I think if he had gotten to the core of, like, the reason he's so happy and wants to tell Mary Jane about all these Spider-Man stories is because he's happy to share it with someone. Yeah. I you know, guess, and coming yeah. from that perspective. What I got, because this was a thing I thought about, the opening of this movie very much laying out thick, like everything's going great for Spider-Man. And then there was a thought in my mind. I said, cause we just watched Spider-Man two, which is phenomenal. Right. And it's overcoming these big obstacles and a lot of themes at play and vulnerability. And it's a beautiful movie. So when we get to Spider-Man three and the opening is like, everything is amazing. Part of me had this complexion in my head. Like if everything starts out great, what's the story to be told? Like, what's the story here? Like, I think it's like the same problem with the Matrix movies where like, mm. after the first Matrix movie, me, like Neo becomes God. So how do you tell a story after that? Like, mm-hmm. and it's a mm-hmm. weird balancing act. And I could see where forgiveness is a great way to do that. But it, it's hard because he may, yeah, he's so unlikable. He's so unlikable. And then Harry's awful. He's so terrible. And then what does make me upset is that, you know, so my concerns with Mary Jane from the first episode that I said, like, I'd love to see her, like, struggle with trying to get past, like, her dad, her issues with her family. They finally try to dive into that a little bit and give her some meat. And then they just quickly take it away because that's part of Peter Parker's story to just ignore her and reject what she's going through. And I'm like, no, you have it right there. It's right there. You presented it on a silver platter for us to enjoy. And now he's just going to go off and do something else. Well, yeah, you're right. And like, I, yeah, I thought about that. There seems to be a little bit more here for her character, but then Mm -hmm. it just gets overshadowed by just obnoxious Peter Parker like, oh my god, is he so obnoxious in this movie? Uh, but then, um, back, what was I saying? I was gonna get back to the Venom character. I had this thought, okay. mm-hmm. because I remember I read into it, because Venom was a late addition. Like, mm-hmm. the writer and Sam Raimi had already penned, like, what they wanted to do. I think, who was the writer? Like, uh, Alvin S- Sargent? Sam Raimi and Ivan Raimi, they all worked on this together. They already had, like, the whole story laid out. They're like, we're going to do Sandman. And Sam Raimi's like, I want to conclude Harry's chapter. I want to conclude, like, even though I hate James Franco, I get it. Like, you built this character, you got to conclude it. But, um, But then the producers were like, Sam, you're old. You don't know what the kids want. The kids want Venom. Put Venom in the movie. So they fit Venom in. And I thought about i'm like if they had given this more time like let's say yeah especially since there was a planned fourth movie there was like that's the thing like you could see the we've talked about last week like there is all that artwork out there for what the fourth movie could have been and i thought about like if the black suit was just part of this movie and a part of peter's redemption and forgiveness is to let go of that hatred and he rips off the venom the black suit Mm-hmm. And then we get the allusion to Venom in the next movie. That could have been, because, like, 
what's great about Venom is he's literally like, because you know how like I was saying like how do you take down a character who's become a god or like the best, right? And right. like Venom, in that way, Venom is like essentially the bully. He's the only person who's capable of being Peter Parker's bully, because um, I know that in the comics Venom. Venom doesn't set off his sp- spidey senses and he's just like physically imposing over him. He just he's just the like black suited version, scary bully version of Spider-Man. I'm like that would have been great on its own. Right. And maybe, you know, Sam Raimi could have like in his path to writing a good story could have really told a story about a character that he loved rather than a character cuz like even the way they deal with Venom, he just blows up I, I think you get that right. sense that Sam Raimi's just like, well, I don't know what else to do with him, so we're going to blow him up. I, I got that sense with Gwen Stacy, too. It felt yeah. like... Well, also, to give a little of context for in between Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3, um, I don't know if you remember this or if you looked into this at all, but I remember feeling like, okay, do we really need two more movies? And then... Excuse me. Um, and then... It starts coming out that the cast doesn't want to make the movie. Like, I remember Kirsten Dunst being at MTV TRL, and they ask her, like, how does it feel coming back to being MJ? And she's like, it gets a little tiring. Not even like, oh, you know, we've done this so many times already, but I think fans will see some different things like she's just like I don't want to do this anymore and it, it seemed like that was the general vibe going into the film too well that so, a lot of people I read yeah. into that because um she was very unhappy um because originally Gwen Stacy was going to be the damsel in distress and Mary Jane was supposed to play a more prominent like independent character and you mm-hmm. get a sense of that like at the beginning like when you're saying like she has her own issues and her, she has her family traumas that she's overcoming. And I think like, but when it got, when things got swapped around and then they're like, I remember she had issues with the writers and Sam Raimi because eventually they were like, no, we're just going to make Mary Jane the Dandel in distress again. Literally we're like, a lot of the screams were just reused, like reused screams from the other movies. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I mean, she's original, got a great scream. In the original script, she wasn't. She was supposed to be the like beacon of hope, an independent character that overcame her issues and then helped Harry get over his shit. Like help Harry be like, you know, get over his struggles and help, you know, save the day. But like then they scrapped that, and I you could I think it's very visible. You can tell she's annoyed about that. So, like, it makes yeah. sense to, like... And then, like, it was just very... So much going on in this movie. Because you're right, Gwen Stacy felt like... What What did Gwen Stacy do? I, I mean, she at least didn't get her neck snapped in this one. But, um... Yes, no main female characters died in this one. So that's nope. a great start. But it, One up for Spider-Man 3. Yeah. It's very clear how much, like there was no direction or idea what to do with Venom and Gwen Stacy. Like the black suit, I really was surprised how much the black suit thematically made sense. But Mm -hmm, once it mm -hmm. became Venom, I'm just like, I don't care. I think that introducing Venom and Gwen Stacy and them sort of 
being like this new part in Peter Parker's life, like the the nemesis at work and then like the new love interest, even though she came before MJ in the comics. Um, I remember leaving the movie theater and my dad being like, what the hell did they do to Gwen Stacy? Like she's supposed to come before Mary Jane. And I was like, what are you talking about? And um, I do love that they give her like the classic black headband. But, you know, it, it just seems like when a, a show about a group of young people is really successful and then they're kind of aging out of it. So then they try to bring in like a new group that's kind of similar, but kind of different. Yeah. And it just doesn't fit the same way. No. So that's what it felt like to me. And I think, I think part of the problem is that the actors that they had already established, they wanted them to portray characteristics that I just don't think inherently fit them. And then they just hired more people who are basically the exact same version of them. Like, if you're struggling with Tobey Maguire and James Franco to present anger, anger, you don't just get another skinny white guy like Topher Grace then to play Eddie Brock. I think that that was a terrible casting decision. Yeah. Also, what an introduction. Remember when yeah. he was just, you know, Gwen's dad, the police chief, is like, that's my daughter up there. And then he's just like, oh, by the way, I'm dating your daughter. As he's getting that more too. pictures, I'm like, yeah, that's great. That too. That was such a mess because, like, there's no connection. Like, that's the only thing telling me that they dated. And he's all like, um, first of all, he's like a total douche when he goes into uh, the Daily Bugle. But also, you know, there's no way for me to connect with them as a couple just because he literally just says like yeah we're dating and then she's like well we went out for coffee it's like okay you told me that but <laughs> and then it then i realized you know last night when we were texting we were talking about how there's too much smooching going on you, you said think that, that the smooching's I think, fine i think yeah. it's fine and then i realized this is not a love triangle this is not a love quadrangle this is like a love hexagon and it's too much. You've got Eddie and Gwen saying that they dated and there's no time to get into that. So they only date, they just say it verbally. Then you've got Mary, Mary Jane, Peter, and Harry. Then you've got the Peter and Gwen stuff. And then also he's got like the girl next door. And then he's also flirting heavily with Elizabeth Banks' character. Like it's just a complete mess. It is, okay. It is a mess, but I actually think that it was a good thematic thing where at the key ceremony, Gwen Stacy kisses Peter. No. But that could have been anybody. They didn't have to be Gwen Stacy. Because I think using that visual metaphor really, and it really hurts. Like I felt, you know, Mary Jane's pain. So then oh, that did in, a make me angry. in a moment of vulnerability, she kisses amnesia harry because that's another thing we forgot to mention oh, harry God. um that that weird sequence just um i hated that sequence except for the part where harry falls no! because it really felt like he got hurt and it was kind of funny. Like they really, <laughs> yeah. really amped up the like he hit his head everywhere on the way Dunk. down. <laughs> Dunk. 
But um, so they have a kiss, and she realizes she made a mistake, and now they've got this complicated issue to work out. So I didn't mind that because thematically it made sense. But I think in the grand scheme, you're right. Because it, it is the Gwen and Eddie throw the wrench in it all. Like, they really are like... They do. They throw the wrench in it. Like, this was clearly written for... This was really clearly written to only have, like, so many characters. And now we're forced to squeeze these guys in. Right. I think what you were saying about just making the focus being, like, Sandman and... Harry being evil, that would have been fine. Even like going with, you know, have Topher Grace in it as like Eddie in the background, but don't introduce it like the same way they did with Kurt Connors, like have him around, but don't make it just yet. Or, so this was my other idea before you mentioned that one. I think what they should have done is just made Harry pure evil. Like, make him the villain you cannot change in the movie instead of the one who gets the redemption arc and then dies. Make him the pure villain. And at the beginning, Peter Parker is just so distraught by things changing with his friendship and things changing with his relationship. Get that out early in the get-go. Make that the beginning plot of the story. And then he deals with the anger and the frustration early, then say, oh, by the way, Sandman's out there. And then get it done really, really early. Then that way, Eddie Brock has more time to be the Venom that people know and love. Make him the bad guy. And then once Sandman and Green Goblin or Harry's Goblin or whatever, Capri Sun Goblin, once they make their plan to end Spider-Man, that's when Venom becomes the anti-hero that everyone knows and loves, and they work together to destroy Harry Goblin and Sandman. That's my theory. I can see that. I. That's my alternate theory. The only thing, I still feel like that's still a lot for one movie. I think It's still so much. Because I remember I read that the writer initially, after being told they had to include Venom and Gwen, mm-hmm. he wrote the script and was like, this would work better as two movies. Yeah. But then they decided against it. But I'm just like, maybe make it two movies. Right. Like, because then you don't get any time with any of the characters. And I know you feel something for Thomas Hayden Church. I did. I love but him. I, I mean, he's got those great sad, sad dog puppy eyes. You know? He, he just, like, he looks so sad. But I don't have enough time with him. Like, it feels like... They chose to handle it through pacing where they're like, okay, so right now Harry is an issue. Put him on pause. Bring in this person. Then put them on pause. Then bring in this person. But then you don't have any actual time with one person. No, you are 100% correct in that. Because I will say, like, I thought that Sandman's scenes were the most powerful. But but time between the times we actually get to see Sandman, I would often forget he was in the movie. Yeah, and then because they would just, like, show him as a human, and he's, like, looking sad. And I'm like, wait, what? what's going on now? Yeah, but, like, I lo- like the scene where he becomes sand. Did you know they... Oh, it's so good. That was, like, brand new. Like, it took them three years to get that technology right. And it is very powerful. Like, he's trying to grab the daughter's, like, locklet. Yeah. And it just, his sand hand crumbles. It. Oh. Yeah. 
I I love that scene and maybe like did you did you like the mummy movies when you were a kid? I like the mummy movies. I I really liked the mummy movies too, and I feel like that had already pumped us up to enjoy some sand adventures. Mm-hmm. So I really did enjoy the scene where he's trying to form himself for the first time, and like part of his face is falling off, and then like the hand can't form. Like that was really enjoyable. That like, because his character more than any of them really fulfills that I like theme of forgiveness. Like, you have this opportunity to forgive, and he's learning. Because like the because I remember I read Sam Raimi's goal was to humanize villains. He wanted to take a villain and show that they because like I think Spider Man. I think why I hate his happiness so much because he's pompous. <laughs> And float, he's on cloud nine with like this, his ego being so big. He's and never like, known what it's like for people to like him. Yeah. He's just so overwhelmed by it that he becomes a douchebag. And he's like, he he's no longer doing it out of like the sense of like what his uncle said, you know, he's not doing it out of sense of responsibility. He's doing it out of a sense of, you know, getting the clout of being the hero. Because I remember when he first encounters Sandman, he comes in on Sandman and doesn't even consider like all the factors. He doesn't even take a second to kind of figure out what's going on. He just straight up is like, I'm going to beat you. Yeah. Yeah. But then, then that's why the, like this, that scene, that moment. And then the bit at the end where he's like, my daughter is dying. And then Tobey Maguire is like, I forgive you. It's like, there's so much missing in between. There is. It didn't nail it because we didn't follow his path. Although I did right. like that moment where he had the little monologue and we, we, we just, it's just, it's, I, I know I'm holding on to my favorite bits because you're right. There's not, not enough, enough in between. Yeah. Because and Thomas I mean, Hayden Church is a fantastic actor. Like the, the weight of his scenes, I think what's drawing you into his portion of it is just that he is a fantastic actor. I know. I mean, yeah. I hope he gets his redemption. He's got to get his redemption in No Way Home. <laughs> what? Maybe. Maybe they'll give him what he needs. I, I just hope. feel like... Yeah, I feel like they had such a good actor who could have done so much with that role and then just to kind of chop it into pieces, it doesn't work. No. Also, I, um, I couldn't connect with it as much just because of that. When Peter, did you know this? When Peter punches Sandman and his hand goes right through him, <laughs> they actually used a guy. Um, I forgot he. They, they actually used an actual amputee oh. to film that scene to really deliver that, like the gravity of like him punching right through him. Interesting. Yeah. So they got like a stand-in who has who lives with a disability. Yes. To create that scene. Oh wow, mm-hmm. fascinating. Yeah. There's a lot of cool things. Like I said, there's also did I is it weird that I noticed that um this movie just color grading looks weird? Right? Right? It okay. It didn't look like the last two were very warm. Yes. I agree. And, and this one was I, very blue. 
I thought so too because I noticed that as soon as Peter became adjusted to the dark suit, the color in his eyes were completely different. Like, I don't know what filter they used or what kind of lens, whatever it may be, but it was like a completely different color. But like, even I think even before it, just the color grading of this movie was very different. It was very cold, like the colors were colder. Mm-hmm. And like, I had to think about, I'm like, is this in, was this intentional or was it just because I also looked back at all these movies from that era. I think that was just the product of the era. Like all a lot of these movies had that like high contrast, cold tone look. Mm. A lot of blue and blue and like a uh, teal and reds or blue and orange, like the strong mm. contrast between those two. Because the first two movies are very warm. The reds kind of like there's a lot of reds, but it's like subtle it's like spider-man he pops whereas this movie it's like it just felt like a blue filter was on i mean the other two films are definitely very orange and Mm -hmm. red i figured that it was like the red of the suit and also like the red of mary jane's hair because like they do put her in a lot of red in the first film um i figured that was the point of it yeah but i i figured it was an intentional device in this one because of his shift into the dark suit but it's just wonky it doesn't feel right yeah and then you know the whole thing with Gwen Stacy I mean they literally just turn her into a side piece and I feel for Mary Jane in that scene that you're talking like that part of the movie where Peter Parkey Peter Parkey oh my god this movie has so much happening in it that I'm already stuttering shit but (laughs) um the moments in the movie where Peter Parker is happy and then just Gwen Stacy is just in places. She's just around. She's at the same restaurant. And when they just show the angle of her hand the entire time on Tobey Maguire's shoulder, I'm just like seething for Mary Jane. And then I'm also feeling bad for Gwen because I'm like, they did not do this character justice in this film. We also talked about how like Brie Dallas Howard is absolutely stunning. Gorgeous. She's gorgeous. But I would also argue that her acting in this movie is not there either. No. It's not there yet. Yeah, it's... I know she can act. But the scene where, like, she's modeling on top of the copier and she's watching the steel rod, like, enter the building, like, her reactions are all, like, a second too late. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) like she'll just be staring and then she's like oh it's like oh my gosh it like somebody did not cut it late enough you know what else i I had an issue with this movie what not enough j jonah jameson not enough j jonah jameson i i do love the moment between him and the secretary i like i wanted more of that oh you mean the uh the your blood pressure medication yes that that scene was hilarious. I loved that because I feel like that was really them knowing what works for their actors and what works for the film, you know? I just think, yeah, I, I, I think that the actors that they had, they didn't use them to what they are good at, and then they brought in the wrong people for other things. 
Like, I, I really think that Thomas Hayden Church as the Sandman was great casting. They just didn't give him enough. And then I, I really wish that Sam Raimi did embrace Venom more because I think that if Sam Raimi, like, took in Venom as one of his own, sort of speak, I think it would have been great. I mean, that's why I think splitting it up would have... Because, like, it did also, I don't think... Venom himself doesn't necessarily fit the theme of what he was going for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the black suit does fit the theme, but not Venom as a character. I think Venom as a character would have worked better. Like after we learn the forgiveness, we go into the fourth movie, and then mm-hmm. we get this imposing figure who's the antithesis to Spider-Man. That would I would have think I think I think that would have worked out. Although, um, can I talk about one of my favorite scenes? Yes. Um, the fight between Harry and Peter. Which one? When, in the in the apartment. Okay, okay. Like, because Harry goes on, you know, amnesia is magically washed away, and Harry's yeah. like, I remember everything, and he let's, makes... Let's talk about Harry in general. <laughs> yeah, he... So, that scene, I don't know what if it was catharsis or something, but after seeing how smug... Like, do you remember when they're at that diner, and Harry does that, like... James Franco, I'm just say James Franco does that gross ass smug where he looks over his shoulder at Peter and winks. That, that pissed me off. I know. He, there is a German word for a face you want to punch so badly. And yeah, I forget the word. It's, it's one of my favorite German words. I don't think it's a face you want to punch, it's a face in need of punching, which makes it that much better. better. But like, oh my god. So when he actually, um, when they fight, it's brutal. I actually really thought that that fight was well done. And then, because Peter fucks him up. And then when he yeah. tosses that bomb at him, I felt like the gravity of that. I'm like, yeah, he just, lo- like, no fucks given, launched a bomb right at his friend's face. Yeah, that was crazy. And then I completely forgot, I don't know if you remembered this, but I completely forgot about the Phantom of the Opera effect that comes afterwards. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, it's so bad. Phantom of the the Franco. Yeah. And then it's James Franco. James Franco. Ew, that'd be so gross. He's just, like, haunting a dispensary somewhere. Yeah. And then after that, after he blows a bomb in his friend's face, he he hits Mary Jane. Just straight up hits her. That I remembered, and I really hoped I was wrong. I was like, why do I remember him hitting her, and I really hope it doesn't happen. I hope I'm remembering that wrong. And then he hits her, and I'm like, fuck. I forgot it happened. Yeah. Yeah, that was... I mean, okay. I thought he straight up hits her. It is sort of like he's in this, like, very intense zone that is definitely not okay, but can be seen in a lot of, like, toxic male behavior where they're just, like, so filled with rage and they just, like, cannot stop and he cannot see her and he's just, like, flailing and, you know, he hits her by accident. I don't think it's, like, an intentional, like, I'm going to hurt the woman that I love. but, I mean, he did go there with the intention of hurting the woman he loved. Right, true. Gwen Stacy and dancing. That was so fucked up. 
Bully Maguire. Although I do have a good laugh because the Bully Maguire memes are funny. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> I'm gonna throw dirt in your eye. Oh my god, it's so bad. I just feel like at this point, this is when Sam Raimi is like, I'm gonna make this crash and burn. I'm gonna destroy something I love. I like how evil Peter Parker is just him with eyeliner and the straightened hair. <laughs> And the, and the straightened hair that covers his face. Um, he wears darker clothes, but it's the same clothes. Like, it's not... I actually yeah. thought about this. Because, like, I remember him in a sleek suit. But then I watched the movie, and I'm like, he always wore things like this. Just now it's all black. Yeah, I love how when he's evil, he's wearing a suit. And then at the end, when he comes to make up with Mary Jane at the jazz bar that he is also still wearing a very similar suit. It's just that when he's evil it's like a black gray and when he's all better it's like a brown gray. Also I don't think Aunt May did much in this movie. I I, I think that um, she did great but I think she did way better in Spider-Man 2. Oh, yeah, I love Spider-Man her 2. on screen. Oh yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I, I agree. I love her. Yeah. It just felt like there's so much in this movie. So there was so much more that she could have done. Also, is it fair to say I had a hard time looking at the Venom in this movie? Because yeah, that was weird. Of all the things, you know, that the Tom Hardy Venom does, it does Venom right by actually making him look like a imposing Venom. He does. He does. He's very imposing. He has the tongue. He looks great. He so I'm watching tongue. this movie, and I'm just like, this doesn't. He's the same size as Peter. It's like nothing about this. Like just. Also, I read that like apparently Topher Grace did work out for the movie and put on twenty pounds. I would have never noticed. That was him with twenty pounds on. That was him with twenty pounds on. Oh boy, I couldn't tell. I was so distracted by those blonde tips. The blonde tips. Yep, yep. You just couldn't recognize any weight gain whatsoever. Was that supposed to be a muscular Topher Grace? Yeah. This isn't like MCU Kamel Nanjiani exercising. Well, also, fucking Tony McGuire didn't work out for this movie either. All the no. scenes, all the scenes where like he's ripping off the Venom suit, that's a stunt actor who actually worked out. Oh, that poor man. That poor man. Uh... But. Okay, so I, I do love that scene. I love the scene where he's ripping Oh, the, that Venom is a off. good scene. Yeah, that's so great. I love that. I, I loved it because thematically, like, one, the visualization of him tearing off the suit. Like, he's in a church. Like, you know, whether you're religious or not, it is a symbol of, like, forgiveness and faith. So, like, he's ripping off the suit. You have two people in, their ch- in the church at the same time. You have Peter Parker ripping off the Venom suit trying mm-hmm. to trying to remove this hatred trying to because that's forgiveness right like forgiveness is letting go of the thing that you it's unburdening yourself from the hatred that you have like forgiving mm-hmm. someone is letting go of something for yourself but like so you have the comparison of peter doing that but then topher grace in church literally asking god to kill spider-man <laughs> no, i love that so much <laughs> Please, God, just let me have this one thing. Let me kill, kill Peter Parker. Everybody Peter hates Parker. him. Oh, my God. 
Also, there's something about church movie scenes that are so funny. This one always reminds me of Charles Barkley praying to God to get his basketball skills back in Space Jam. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I thought I was the only one who thought of that. No. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that, like, I, I get the point of, like, coming to the church and the sound being the thing that sort of works to, you know, like, sort of unattach him to the suit. Um, and like I said, like, I love the look of the symbiote itself. So even him ripping the suit off and it's like trying to attach himself again and then finding more of that vengeance and anger through Eddie once it attaches itself to Eddie. Um, that whole scene was fine. I'm even fine with Topher Grace praying to kill Peter Parker. That's fine with me. But um, they're both just these like skinny white guys. And you could tell that when Peter Parker, when Tobey Maguire puts on the black suit, I think that they even added a little bit of bulk to him there. Yes. yes. So from the regular Spider-Man suit to the black Spider-Man suit, all of a sudden his like muscles are just a little bit thicker. And then they put it on um, Topher Grace and there's just no difference. Like even the muscles that they put in his Venom suit, it's just, there's nothing there. Yeah. It's just some chicken wing bones underneath. Uh, just bad so, casting. Just really bad casting. Well, I don't like, know if you remember, but like at this time, I think this was like Topher Grace's um, point in his career where he was going to be like the next, they were trying to make him like the next leading guy. Yeah, he actually, I think this was the movie he left that 70s show for. No, do you think so? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what I read. Okay. Whoa. I'm going to look up his movie career because I mean I get it when you have somebody like Tobey Maguire and also Jake Gyllenhaal and they're both becoming like these big people and then there's Topher Grace like the reasonable conclusion is like okay I'm next in line but oh boy okay I know I mentioned win a date with Tad Hamilton in the first episode let's see okay when was that 70s show Let's see. Let's take a look. Okay, so that 70s show is between 1998 and 2006. 2006 and 2005, he just comes in for a few episodes. So, and he also did, okay, so, oh, he was in Ocean's 12 when he does the all red scene. I thought that was in Ocean's 11. Okay, so in 2004... He gets Win a Date with Tad Hamilton and In Good Company, and he has a small role in Ocean's 12. He was also in Mona Lisa's Smile with Kirsten Dunst in 2003. So having these three movies under his belt, having a rom-com, a drama, and uh, I, I watched In Good Company. I don't know what that movie was supposed to be. It's not very good. It's, it's also Topher Grace telling... Um, an older man that he's dating his daughter. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's uncomfortable. It's not a very good movie, but it still like gave him the credit that he needed. And then at that point, it makes sense that he would get Spider Man three. I Do you think I Spider-Man see that. Three ruined his career. Totally. Mm. Do you not? 
I yeah, you're I I think so because like what is everyone else? I think they had enough string and pull that they were able to pull themselves out of this. Like yeah, Kristen Dunst still did great. Uh, Tom McGuire still did good movies, but then also had a huge gambling addiction. He uh, also had that large gap. I I mean, from what I remember from the Spider-Man movies, he does the movie with Jake Gyllenhaal where they are brothers, and it's supposed to be, like, loosely based off of my brother Sam is dead. And then there's just, like, to me, what feels like a huge mainstream gap, and then he does The Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he also, he also had a also had a big problem right that will get in the way of your career gambling illegal underground (laughs) turns out (laughs) spider-man likes to gamble maybe that's why he was such a douche when he was happy maybe he had just hit it big and was like peter's buying dinner tonight boys oh god oh can we talk about Bruce Campbell. That, Let's talk about Bruce scene. Campbell. Oh my god. <laughs> First uh, of all, we get it. He's the French waiter. I also love where, what did he say? He goes, Ah, oh, love. Yes. I am French. Yeah, yeah this, I love that so much. There's a beautiful pause. Oh, <laughs> it's so, it's so amazing. <laughs> oh, yes. I am French. I love that so much. Like, he needed to let the audience know. Yes, I understand love because I am French. I loved that so much. Um, and, and his pause, little mustache. <laughs> it was the pause afterward that had me dying. I'm like, this is the best. Just, oh, yes, love. I am French. Yeah. <laughs> the whole interaction was so great because he, like, walks into the restaurant and he's like, Ebecca? <laughs> and then he's like, um, Parker. And he's like, do you not speak French? And he's like, no, and he's like, "This is a French restaurant," and it's like, "You're you don't even speak French, Bruce Campbell." But keep oh, going. <laughs> I Bruce I thought Campbell. that that was great. You know what's funny? I had this thought last night. Like, I know that originally in the fourth movie, he was gonna be unmasked as Mysterio. Yeah. Part of me wishes, and maybe this does happen, but part of me wishes. I'm like, I was wa- thinking about it during the scene. I'm like. Because in the first, no, in the second movie, they reference Doctor Strange. Right. And clearly, like, Spider-Man is a phenomenon that's happening. Right. I would love if one of the reveals was that Bruce Campbell was Doctor Strange all along in the Raimi universe, and he was just kind of monitoring Peter's actions before they got too out of hand. <sighs> yes. That I would love a Sam, like, a Bruce yes. Campbell Doctor Strange. I like that more than Mysterio. Um, yeah. I love the idea of him just showing up and, like, pushing Peter Parker where he needs to be. I mean, maybe that's, like, a very Doctor Whovian take. Because he on, did sort of push he him. In. He put He gave him his name. Yeah. He, um, him not letting Peter into the theater unravels a chain of events to help Peter learn a lesson. Yeah. And in this movie, he helps Peter to try and proposed to Mary Jane. I know. Oh my god. I just like his whole story arc in the movies. This is when I wish that okay this is when I do wish that Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies did coincide with the MCU because if they had more of a backing like at this time in the 2000s it wasn't a normal thing to keep having these characters show up in these movies. 
the, the fact that they even got a trilogy was huge, right? Yeah. The fact that they were going for a fourth one was not ha- not something that had much precedence. I just wish that, like you said, like if he kept showing up until like five or six, and then it's revealed that he's like Doctor Strange or Mysterio, that would have been so fun because I would have yeah. loved to see him keep popping up. That would have been awesome, but like, so something I thought about because this is two thousand seven. This is literally mm-hmm. a year before the MCU actually officially starts. Well, I mean, when the movie came out, I don't think that they were even planning then to do the MCU. It's just that Iron Man was so successful that they were like, we should undertake this thing, correct? I think I think there, the MCU was, in, well, not as, not called the MCU, but like the idea right. of, because at this point, Disney had not acquired Marvel yet. No. And Marvel Studios, because there was... There was always a Marvel Studios. They just weren't the ones making the movies. They were like, you know, Kevin Feige was a producer on all of these movies. Right. But the idea was they were like, at some point, like, okay, we have a bunch of these characters not licensed to other studios. What if we made our own movie? Mm-hmm. And if it's successful, we keep making movies with characters we have. Like, they had Iron Man, they had Cap, they had Thor. Like, these are all their characters and they're like all right because that's what it was people are like the first iron man is technically an independent film because it was marvel studios yeah it was marvel studios on their own going let's see if this works but i think that they at the time like robert downey jr basically had no career yeah it's so it's weird because like this is literally like the last year of like because that's another thing i thought about like Part of the huge hatred and disappointment towards this movie, I think part of it might have also been, like, getting a superhero movie. Because this was three years after Spider-Man 2. Mm -hmm. So the Mm -hmm. anticipation and hype and the love is so strong that, like, it's... You're putting all all the bets are on this movie having to be good. Because nowadays, it's like, if if you didn't like Eternals, that's fine. You can wait, like, six months and you'll get a better movie. Okay, see, I saw it as, by the time that Spider-Man 3 was coming out, I was like, do we really need another one? I, I wanted another one. Okay, that's fair, that's fair. I wanted more Scooter Man. But I think you could just tell that there was a lot of disdain made in this one. I know, but I think, is that more so a product of all the things that went wrong? You know, like, because clearly, like, like, as we could tell from what we got learned from spoilers, there's enough love for the character for people to come back. I for think sure. the, disdain, the disdain is like, I wanted to do this movie and it's a fucking mess. Like, it's terrible. I think so. I hate it. It's like Sam so. Raimi, Sam Raimi himself has gone on the record as saying, like, he really wishes he got to make the fourth movie because he's like, I wanted to, I wanted to make up for what happened. I wanted to tell my story. And make it better and really give people like a character that they were ha- like the character they loved. And mm-hmm. I, honestly, I, I did and I didn't. I, I just I think it was such a mess. And as a teen, I was just like, eh, good enough. Why keep going? You know, um, Spider Man. I know, but I, I that's the thing is like, I think it, it's it's one or the other. It's either they stopped at Spider Man 2. Or they just give him what he needed to tell the stories the way that he wanted to. And that way make Venom the Venom he wanted it to be. And, you know, um, 
the more that we saw of Kurt Connors, the more I was kind of like, what would this guy as a villain look like? What would this actor as a villain be? Um, yeah. So it, it was either or for me. It was either like, end it here, end it now, or just let him make all of the Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Well, like, what was I going to say? They, they mm-hmm. were in talks of making the fourth one up until 2011. Oh, really? Yeah, it was because oh. his uh, Sam Raimi was very much... He was very much into making the fourth movie with people coming back. Because they're like, you know what, it's Sam. He's got an idea. I trust him. It was Sony that kept, like, holding off and being like, are you... And then they're just like, are you sure you want to make a... And eventually Sam Raimi's like, they're not going to back my idea. They want to do their own thing. So he left. And once he left, that's when they did the reboot. Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if... Okay, let's say, like, they did continue on with the Kirsten Dunst and Bree Dallas Howard issue. Like, let's say they let Peter and Mary Jane end. Like, she continues on her career. She becomes so successful that they realize that, like, they don't need to be in a relationship together anymore. And she can just be a friend. Even if they, like, continue on with, like, Gwen Stacy coming after Mary Jane in this series. Then that would give like Gwen Stacy the attention she deserves in the next following movies and then Kirsten Dunst can maybe take it a little bit more easily she can just be a supporting character and she can focus more on other roles true I think that would have been fine too yeah so I do want to actually I have an interesting question for you okay I think I think we can wrap up our talk of the movie here unless you have anything else you want to say I just want to add how stupid Harry is He's the worst. Like, he's just so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think that they could have done without the entire amnesia thing. I don't think that helped at all, but that was, no. like, the only bad thing in the first act. And then just every dancing scene afterwards, I was just like, oh, my God, they're burning this thing to the ground. Yeah. They should have just no, cut out fair. the entire amnesia thing. Yeah, make him... it made no sense. This it is... made no sense. It was such a only, waste of time. Only in a silly comic book world would that he just get amnesia rather than just be dead. Yeah, because then, like, it just felt like every actor had so many hiatuses between their stories. So that's why, like, you had a separate hiatus just for him having to recover from the explosion. That's why I was like, Harry should have been evil from the beginning that could have been his one hiatus, develop the Sandman and Venom relationship, and then Venom becomes the anti-hero who helps Spider-Man in the end, and let Harry die the same way that his dad did. Because the way that he does die, it's just, it, it feels like a root canal. It's just going on for so long, and then, like, he's, you know, the phantom of the opera dispensary, and, like, it's just so bad. Yeah. So that's that's my last complaint. So usually we wrap these up with, you ask, would this still hold up today? But I pose a different question for you. What's your question? Based on what we've talked about, the failures of this movie, and the the potential of like a fourth movie. I think I've answered this one already, but I'm going to ask you this one. Okay. Would you want to see a Sam Raimi fourth movie? I would. I would. would? I would. And I would also like to see Venom recast. 
Venom. Venom. Maybe what you how would you feel if they just put Tom Hardy but in the Sam Raimi universe? I would love that. Um because one of the issues is that, you know, the whole point of the symbiote mimicking Spider-Man is that it like first became attached to that power and it desired for that level of power after being repelled off of Spider-Man that it um, replicated itself onto Eddie. And that's that's why the symbiote like takes on the appearance of Spider-Man because it desires for that amount of power so much that it tries to become it again. Yeah. So I just feel like even even with uh, Venom itself, it's just really funny how they try to introduce that without Spider-Man. Yeah. They just kind of gloss over it. And honestly, like that's why I wish Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi gave a little more attention to Venom because his design of the symbiote as itself is better than the Tom Hardy version. Yeah, no, I agree mm-hmm. with that. I agree. I just... Also, I think the Tom Hardy Venom is silly enough to exist in the yeah. Sam Raimi-averse. Like, Remember that bit in the Venom movie where he dunks himself in the lobster tank? It's so fucking stupid. I love it so He much. dips himself in the lobster tank and eats the lobster. This is unacceptable. No. I'm going to call the police. What are you doing? No, please don't. No. Eddie, please. Oh, my God. Ah. too and i was just thinking about it like what if we just had somebody else be venom like what would our other actor version of venom be and i thought like idris elba would be such a good venom interesting idris then, elba. then also if people are physically attracted to venom i feel like i'd get it i feel like they're already physically attracted to venom i know but i'd get it more if it was idris elba <laughs> Because then I know Idris, Idris Elba's under guy. there. <laughs> Let me think who else. Like, it, it who would do you think? theoretically have to be someone bigger and scarier than Tobey Maguire, which isn't hard. Right, right. At least bigger big. than Topher Grace. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a really low, skinny bar. Someone bigger and scarier. Um, I'm trying to think. I would like I my mind went to the rock but I'm like I don't I, want the rock playing venom I had a feeling you were gonna mention the rock because just because of how big he is he's, he's so big he's so big but I don't know if he would be a good venom I mean um, to be fair he is franchise Viagra as he has yes, referred he to himself so oh, Jesus Christ yeah uh I'm typing into Google big actors big actors <laughs> Google thought I was talking about famous actors. No, I mean like physically big actors. Hold on. Physically big actors. And even so, I just feel like while you're thinking of an actor who could play Venom, if they were to redo it with somebody else, um, you know, I don't think it would have been too crazy to just throw Eddie Brock in the second film or even just mention him more often because we had mentioned there's that disconnect between 
them mentioning him in the first one as an Easter egg, and then when he introduces himself in the third one, he's a completely new person they've never met before. If they had the yeah. wherewithal to put Bruce Campbell in every single movie, they had the wherewithal to just mention Eddie a couple of times in the second movie. Hmm. Let me see. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um. What if? I know he he played Flash the bully, but Joe Mangiano could have been oh. a good Venom. See, even if they just let him be the vet, uh, let him be Flash, and just like that was like a movie thing that they decided to do instead. Because I would have been cool does, with that. I think if I'm correct, Flash does acquire the Venom suit. Does he? I was also wondering yeah, if he, at some point Gwen Stacy does too. Yeah, Flash Thompson. Flash Thompson becomes Agent Venom. There's like a brief stunt where the symbiote leaves Eddie. And Eddie gets cancer. And Flash Thompson, I think he's paralyzed in a war, but he acquires the suit and becomes Agent Venom. And then Eddie Brock is dying of cancer, but, like, I guess his DNA still has some Venom in it. And it mutates oh. and he becomes anti-Venom. Oh. Yeah, so, it w- you know what? Flash Thompson could very easily be Venom. Venom. That would be Venom. That would be really cool. And it was funny how they just included him in the last second at Harry's funeral in the background. I was like, there's Joe Manganiello again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I'm cool with that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, unfortunately, uh, this movie, as we, we joked about this movie ends on a funeral, just like all of the movies do, except for Spider-Man <gasps> two. Maybe that's why Spider-Man two is the best. No funeral. No funeral. Check. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, I mean, I think that it, they got some really great performances out of people you wouldn't expect certain performances out of. Alfred Molina playing Doc Ock is, it's the best. And Willem Dafoe playing Green Goblin, it's the best. So then... To constantly hope that you can get that out of other people, like Topher Grace, and then not give the one who is the most capable of doing it, Thomas Hayden Church, like not giving him the screen time to do it, it's just yeah. so sloppy. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I agree. This movie still made me as angry as I was as a teenager. That's, so that's I don't, my conclusion. I don't think it did not make me nearly as angry. I, I envy your forgiveness of this film. I think it's also because, like, when I got really bored or annoyed, I could I just zoned out. I have Fair. that ability. And, like, like it really was, like, back then when this movie came out, that was it. Like, we were not expecting another hero movie for a while. Like, yeah. I know we were waiting on, like, Batman to come out the next year. But, like, like really, it's like, if this movie sucks, you got to sit there and watch it. Whereas, yeah. like, the levels of offensiveness that is The Amazing Spider-Man 2... <laughs> It is offensive. It is I'm, very offensive. I feel like I have to watch this now. And I also want to watch the other Tom Holland movies. Um, I, I love the Tom Holland movie. I think they're good and they're charming. They're, okay. They're, it's, it is missing a lot of that style that the Sam Raimi movies have. Yeah. But, the, but Tom Holland, he really gives it. And there's fun characters. It's witty. It's banter. But um, 
in the Amazing Spider-Man 2, there's a scene where there's just a basement filled with uh, every villain's origin story. Oh, really? The, the basement of origin stories. Oh, goodness. <laughs> the basement of... Like, they got the Doc Ock arms. They got the Falcons. It's so oh, really? dumb. Uh, well, didn't they want to try to do the Sinister Six with that one? Oh, boy. It's just a bad idea. But... I don't know. I'm excited. I'm surprised to be ending this portion of our mini series being more excited to see more Spider-Man movies. So I guess that's a win for Marvel. Because well, Spider-Man. It's Spider-Man. 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 Spider-Can. Spider-Can. Yep. So we already we don't mm-hmm. need to answer the question right honestly does this hold up because no it doesn't obviously not there's no there's no fixing that but do you want to ask the other question yeah sure um tomas see what has been your obsession and i want you to know COVID. i am french <laughs> uh. <laughs> um Getting over COVID is a, is a great obsession. <laughs> Getting over COVID and just planning and just trying to get myself to see Spider-Man as soon as it comes out. Yeah, so you don't have anything else spoiled for you. Exactly. <laughs> I was so offended when you were like, you just ruined it for me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're experiencing this together. We are going down with this ship together. I am not oh. going to be blamed for this. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> Um. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to see it, and I'm glad you were feeling better. Thank you. Yeah. Um, my obsession would be honestly watching videos of Tom Holland and Zendaya together. That's awesome. They're just so cute. Yeah. Like everything in the world is terrible. But you know what's so precious and innocent? Tom Holland and Zendaya's relationship. I know, like, and I love I love them. And just Tom Holland, he's such a charming young lad. They're so cute. And she showed up in another dress that was perfectly fitting for the Spider-Man series. I had mentioned that as my obsession last time. That she's just, like, killing it with the red carpet looks. And he was in the middle of being interviewed... And she comes out, and just like in the middle of the interview, he's like, wait, did Zendaya come out? Oh, <laughs> she must be out. Where is she? Like, it was just so cute. Aww. It was just so precious. Guys, thank you so much for following us on this trilogy of yes. the Sam Raimi Spoodermans. Time, just in time for Christmas. Just in time for Christmas, and more Spider-Man, and mm-hmm. Doctor Strange, and Spider-Man, and however many Spider-Mans are in the Spider-Man movie. The, the too many of them. Not the enough many. of them. Not enough of them and too many of them and times pie altogether. Spider-Man. But thank you so much for tuning in. Please be sure to follow us on the Instagram. Remember the 00S podcast. Mm-hmm. You can find our podcast where most podcasts are found. Mm-hmm. Google. Mm-hmm. Apple, I forgot. <laughs> I like the like, it was almost like a slow uh, echo effect, and then Apple. 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 Amazon. Yes. Um. Sp- Spotify. Definitely. Podbean and 
elsewhere. Other places. Somewhere. Sites we're not Fi- even sure about. Find it on your local thrift store. Yes, yes. But with that, thank you and have a... Is this the... When is this going to... I guess Merry <laughs> Christmas. Yeah. Happy holidays. Hello. Goodbye. Oh. Bonsoir. Le monsieur attire une réservation? I'm sorry, I don't speak. But this is a French restaurant, no? Oui. <laughs> Name, please? Parker. Peter. Ah, here we are. Table for two. Pecker. Parker. That is what I said. Pecker. Um, I have a request. Mm. My girlfriend will be coming, and I have this ring. Ah. Uh, uh. Hello. Oh, so you want to pop the question tonight, huh? Yes, and I want to do something very special. I love it. Romance. I am French. Uh, when I signal you, mm. if you'd bring some champagne with the ring... In the bottom of her glass? Perfect. Magnifique. Also, I thought at the same time, if the musicians would play this song... Their favorite. Um, and take good care of the ring. Oh, we with my life, monsieur. S'il vous plaît? Oui? I like you. <laughs> Thank you. Bon chance. Bon chance.